So welcome back. This is the second half of the Bringing Light into Darkness, April 25th, 2020 show. And this second half continues our dedication to Reverend Joseph Lowry. And it features the interview I had with him at the Hilton Hotel in Waco, Texas, on the Saturday of Easter weekend, 2006. And it's a very provocative interview. Here is the first of three tracks. And let me just reintroduce our, our very, very special guest, Reverend Joe Lowry. We are nine o'clock in the evening of a very, very long day. We were at the Camp Casey uh, retreat today, all day long, and uh, yesterday as well. And today there was a series of presentations. At, at this church service we had, this is, this is uh, the most interesting and probably the most impactful church service I've been in on any Easter in my life. And I've been up until my retirement, I've passed the churches for a half century. But this was so meaningful because they represent the very heart of Christ. Uh, they're concerned about the sacredness of life. Uh, Jesus made it perfectly clear. And that's what's so dangerous about what's happening to the soul of America. That we have people today who claim to speak for God and have made that God a God of the empire, a God of war. And Jesus said to those that, uh, uh, who would choose a sword, one of his uh, closest disciples, old Pedro, Pagani Peter, <laughs> he said, put away your sword. He cut off a man's head, Jesus put it back and says, if you choose to live by the sword, you choose to die by the sword. That's, that's not my way. And I'm afraid instead of lessening terrorism in the world, we have, we have caused a proliferation of, of, of terrorist ideas. We've put, built resentment in the hearts of, of young people across the world who think that we are invading their land and we are, are disrespecting the sovereignty of the nation. And they, they believe that we are insulting their way of life when we arrogantly say that our way is better and to show you it's better, we'll kill you if you don't, don't take it. It doesn't speak very well of, of, of our way of life. We were with the Honorable Reverend Joe Lowry. I just want to bring our audience up to just, I won't say what year you were born in because I don't believe it, but it was in Huntsville, Alabama. And in 1957, Reverend Lowry and Dr. Martin Luther King formed the, uh, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And Reverend Lowry was named the Vice President. And I'm not sure if you held that post continuously, but in February of 1977, you actually became the president, I believe. Well, yes, in 60 and 67, I became chairman of the board. Uh, Martin nominated me to be chairman of the board. Up to that time, he was both president and chairman of the board. And he wanted to get rid of some of the dirty work, so he made me, asked me if I'd serve as chairman of the board. Right. And I served that position until 77. Now, you actually, as chairman of the board, you actually took the the demands of the Selma to Montgomery March to the government, George. No, Martin? that was that was uh, I was board. I was uh, vice president. I didn't that was in '65. Okay. I didn't become chairman of the board until '67. I see. But I was vice president in '65, and Dr. King named me chairman of the committee to take our demands to Governor Wallace, right, okay. that we put together in the course of the seven Montgomery March voting rights, mm -hmm. uh, jobs in state government, a uh, relief from the pressures and oppression of of uh, cruelty on the part of state government, both physical and political. And uh, when we got to, uh, that's the time when 
the Lord parted the Blue Sea for me. When I got to the state capitol, we, uh, we, we uh, asked the general, the National Guard was in charge, and we asked the general if we could, if we'd been cleared to go to Governor Wallace's office to take those demands. And the general said yes. But when we got to the steps leading up to the capitol, a Blue Sea of state troopers uh, blocked the way. And I looked back at the general and he yelled some commands, some military commands, and the National Guard came over and confronted the Blue Sea, and the Blue Sea put our hands <laughs> And I took my committee through on dry land. It was kind of, How big a committee was this? this was like, oh, it was about 12 or 15 of us, and Dr. King named me chair. I was pastoring in Birmingham at the time. And when we got to the door of the Capitol to give the demands of the governor, the governor's secretary met us and said, I'll take them for the governor. I told him, we're out marching 50 miles to give these demands to the secretary. We'll give them to the governor, I won't give them at all. So they shut the door, we went home. And, uh, but a week later, a few days later, the governor called and said, uh, a Methodist bishop named Ken Goodson, uh, who persuaded the governor, who was a Methodist, by the way, uh, he had like George Bush. <laughs> we have all kind of brothers. We run the gamut from, from George Wallace to George McGovern. But anyway, uh, that is the gamut. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we we uh, he said certain people on the committee may come see the governor, and I was not one of those that he that he picked. To, I wasn't among the certain people, uh, and I said, well, I'll poll my committee, but I'm pretty sure that we're not going to let the governor name our committee. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, the committee said unanimously, Fui on him. We resent the fact that he tried to pick our leadership and our representatives. Either we all come or none of us will come. So I called the governor back and he agreed to see us all. Wow. Met with him for about 90 minutes. Wow. And he, he was tearing little pieces of paper up on the table into a big pile <laughs> and, uh, and very nervous. And that's when I said, listen, I speak to you not as a civil rights leader, but as a Methodist preacher to a Methodist leader. God's going to hold you accountable for your leadership and for your, your, your misuse and abuse of the powers and intelligence that God has given you. And that's when he made his speech about he, he wasn't against black people, he was against the federal government. I said, yeah, but when you rave and rant from your platform in the governor's office, Others who don't have your platform, they translate it into violence and they take lead pipes and kill the Reverend James Reed in Selma. They take a shotgun and shoot violently. Who saw a white woman who came down on the truck to, to help us to register people to vote? And that's how your, your leadership translates into violence, uh, Governor Wallace. But you know, he, he repented before he died. And in 1995, when I led, uh, I was president then, I led a reenactment from Selma to Montgomery to stir up again the people about voting and the need to renew the Voting Rights Act and so forth. And he met us in a wheelchair at the city of St. Jude, right on the edge of Montgomery, where we came in 65, and apologized for what happened in 65, for ordering the troops to beat the voters. He apologized, and, and then again, before he died uh, in Montgomery, I was giving the Commissioner address in Alabama State University. And he sent for me to come to his house to pray for him. At that time he was bedridden. And uh, he could hardly speak and he'd write on a tablet that would appear on the monitor. And he said he wanted me to pray for him before he died, which I did. Uh, I, I, I could not stand in the 
doorway of his repentance as he stood at the door of the university mm -hmm. to block black students. And then he, he, he said another thing. He said, I want you to go see Ted Turner to understand you're good friends. He said, Ted Turner's about to do a documentary on my life. In that documentary, he's, he, he depicts me as a, an alcoholic, which isn't true, but I don't care. He depicts me as a womanizer, which isn't true, but I don't care. But then he depicts me as this black man who has been with me all these years. In the film, he, he has the black man plotting to kill me. And that's a lie. And I don't like that. Ask him to not print that lie, not film that. He said, there he is. He's my friend. He was in the room. Ask him. I said, no, I'll take your word. So I called Ted Turner and uh, Ted laughed. And he said, well, tell the governor that, number one, I don't have anything to do with it film, you know, I'm just my name. He said, well, secondly, it's over, it's finished. Nothing I can do. I said, no, I'm not going to tell him. I gave him the governor's telephone number. You go. And I don't know whether he called him or not. Very but, smart. But the Wallace did, did repent. And I, yeah. I think it was genuine. When he came out in 95 to meet the marches, he had nothing to gain politically. He was in a wheelchair. He was hard to, hard to speak about a whisper. And uh, he had nothing to gain. So I, I, I said that his coming here ought to be a lesson to the demagogues of this day, mm -hmm. that the roads of violence and hate lead to self-destruction. Well, that's a wonderful story. I come from a background in which I've always respected religion and religious people, but never really participated in it. And then in the 80s, I think it was, I just became fascinated at, the, at these priests, nuns, church laymen, going down to Central America to work with Archbishop Arnolfo Romero. Yes. And uh, I was just, I was reading all about Central American Wonderful. history at that time. And this, uh, this powerful concept that I began to really, really appreciate, which was that you know, revolutionaries and truly religious people want the same thing, which is to bring you know, heaven to earth. Yes, and, thy and, kingdom come. Right, and your words today, the way you use the the religious references and, and, and the story of, um, you know, of Jesus and, and those types of things, you use them so appropriately to, 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 to give forth stories and parables. It's like a different form of communication. Sometimes people can read, read uh, history and it doesn't sink in. Sometimes though they can hear music and it says a similar message and it does sink in. And the way that you present things from that perspective, I think, is so powerful in this separation of, of words and deeds. You know, when you speak, it's really the, the deed side of thing. And, you know, we're just getting, with this right. fundamentalism, we're getting so tired, at least yeah. I am. But like you were saying today, you know, they, today you, you said, you know, they're trying to take God from us and everything yeah, else. they try to hijack God. Can you elaborate a little bit more on well, I don't know the role of religious? I don't know who this God is. I don't like the, uh, the political and, and, and is it right to have set upon a throne because he seemed, this God seems to say war is all right with me. And the God I know through Jesus condemned war and violence. And even in the Old Testament, you study war no more. Beat your swords and the plowshares and the spears and the pruning hooks, which in our language means beat your bums into bread, beat your tanks into tractors. Uh, let's study war no more. Uh, war is self-defeating. And when, when Peter resorted, as I mentioned earlier, to violence, Jesus rebuked him and, 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 and set forth 
and but basically, and the civil rights movement was always been based on the ethos of love, and and you know you love your neighbor as you love yourself, as you love God, and the Bible said to us, how can you love God, whom you've never seen, and not love your neighbor, the people around you, whom you see every day, and the Bible makes it clear that love is at the root of our relationship and we'll be judged by by how we love not by how what clothes we wear or how sanctimonious we are or, or how often we attend mass or worship service but how we love and jesus said you they'll know you my disciples by how you love one another even faith must be rooted in love for the word says as faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love. And he went on to say, if you have faith so as to move mountains, but you haven't got love, you're nothing. And he went on to say, you may have faith, and you may have knowledge so as to solve all mysteries, but it's not rooted in love. Right. You're sounding brass and tinkling yeah. symbol. So and your heart is shrinking without That's absolutely. So that's what we base the movement on. And not only, we, we use the Constitution, of course, sure. but it, 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 it's a call to the oneness of the human family. God no respect of persons, and and uh, God looks doesn't look at your color. He looks at your character. Not the king. That's what not the king meant. And, and and we must look at each other's character, not color. And so that's the that's the basis of that's the theological and philosophical basis of of the civil rights movement. That we believe in the oneness of the human family, and that we're. Time Martin said before he died that there's no path to fulfillment for white folk. Don't have a second path to fulfillment of black folks, and we can add on brown or yellow. We're all tied together, yeah. and, and we've got to learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we're going to perish together as fools. Absolutely. You know, as you talk about that too, it occurs to me that that it's not it's not good enough to not be racist. You know, I mean, I'm thinking about Dr. King's days in his Vietnam speech. He was talking about that the rates of infant mortality in black communities was two times higher than the average for Anglos. Well, today it's seven per, per, uh, uh, per 1,000 live births for, for Anglos and 14 for African Americans yes. here in this day, uh, this day and age. And uh, I, I think like you were, you, what you were alluding to, this, this deal like just, not, just going to church is not, uh, it's not what it's about. It, it, it's, it's the actions and, 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 yes. and, and it's activism that the civil rights that you have led, and Reverend Johnson has led, and, and so many people have participated in, uh, is in, in your words, both of the, your words today was to bringing these, these movements yes, together because yes. they have a common, uh, have common goals, love, I think. Common goals Absolutely. and common enemies. How would you, and, and I, I know it's late, so I, don't, I, I want to not carry on this discussion as long as I would like, but how, how would you address to the listeners, to American people, to the world, the ways, especially Americans, we live in the most powerful country world history has ever known. There's nothing that we don't do that completely impacts the world. What types of activism types of things do you suggest people to get involved with? Well, we're in the, we're in the Holy Week leading up to Easter, which is the uh, most sacred uh, moment in, in church in the church calendar. And what I think the opportunity for people today, particularly members of the community of 
faith. To understand that they're crucifying Jesus all over again. They're crucifying him by misrepresenting him. They're crucifying him by trying to separate him from liberty and justice and keep him only with, with uh, ritual of praise. And, and I think sometimes we, we talk about praising God in song and in dance, but we forget that the really authentic way to praise God is to obey his word and to see that, that you can't love God and hate his children. You know, the, the only time during the movement that my nonviolence was ever tested was on one Thanksgiving in the, in the 80s when we were protesting and when Dixie for selling South African product and my baby daughter joined us and we blocked the door to the, to the store. We say, we can't, you can't go in here. And this guy said, I'm going to knock this little girl out of the way. And I said, wait a minute, knock me. If you knock her, there's going to be a whole lot of knocking going on. <laughs> so, that, so that even if us humans, you know, if, as human beings, we're so jealous for the safety and security of our children, how much God you know, feel about the abuse of his children? And, and, and he has, as I intend to say, that in the morning at the sunrise service, that we must realize God baked us all in his oven of love and using solar energy. And those who were, you know, we took some out of the oven real quick. You know, they didn't get done. They didn't get brown, but they're done. You know, but they're very fast, <coughs> but they're done. And then there's somebody left in the oven a little longer. You, you were a little bit left a little bit longer. You got a little green okay. color, yeah. But you, you're done. Mm -hmm. And then there's some who were in the middle of the oven got brown, copper tone. They, they didn't get the but some was way in the back of the oven. We got black and ebony. But all of us are done. Mm -hmm. And all of us are made in the image of the, of the great cook, mm -hmm. God the creator. And and we need to understand that the one if we take away that that veneer of complexion and the, the cultural and distinction and ethnicity, we'll all be the same. We, what, what is uh, in Merchant of Venice, uh, the words of a woman who, who is the, a skylocker to the uh, merchant who wanted to power flesh, and he said, have mercy, uh, be compassionate. And that's what we must say to immigrants today. We must be compassionate, we're a nation of immigrants. And it's that church says that if we're pricked, we're not all bleed in the blood the same color. Uh, and if we are amused, don't we laugh, don't we enjoy the same thing, we all want our family to prosper and be comfortable. So we're one and we ought to live as one. And that that's what I think America, the promise of America is that people pouring in from all different ethnic backgrounds and cultures and colors and races can come together as a family and live together in peace. God has provided enough for all of us, and there's some wrong. And uh, this book I refer to today, American Theocracy, this writer says that he's a former Republican strategist. He says that all the ingredients that are necessary for the decline and fall of a nation are present in our country today. Tax cuts for the rich, uh, control for the religious right, and the political right merging to press the poor, suppress and oppress the poor. And he said the growing disparities between the have too much and the have too little, those are ingredients. Militarism, explosion, are too much outreach for the military, grabbing, biting all gold and we can chew like a rack. All those ingredients are present and the disparities in this country are frightening. 
we, we, we're getting it. It's not a matter of just between the haves and the have-nots. It's between the have so little and have so much. And, 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 and those, there are a handful of people in this country who have more than they'll ever need. And there's still millions who have less than they'll always need. And that's a part of the recipe for the decline and fall of a nation. So we get, God has given us an opportunity to, to, to have a great, great nation. But we've got to introduce love over hate and, and work for the common good. I love that text as I, as I get sleepy here. I love that text that says, uh, God has made himself manifest unto us for the common good. He's given us so many blessings, but not for ourselves selfishly, individually, but for the common good. And the more we share, the more we have. The more we love, the more God's blessing pour upon us. And so we need to work for the common good. I appoint everybody that I come under the sound of my voice as I will do in the morning. I hereby ordain you a chaplain of the common good. Work for the common good. And, and, and let me um, just share with you that those words that you're saying about the, the, uh, the haves and the have-nots, that whole model of, of unfair playing field that creates yes. these great discrepancies is even more discrepant in the rest of the developing world. Oh, yes. And that's why yes. people are coming to the oh, United States. No so, 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 so you speak very eloquently. Your, your plan is if we treat our neighbors like we need to treat our own family. And we don't do it by paying slave wages. Right. Corporate world going into, into Latino countries paying slave wages. If we're going, and, or if you watch if you want to, but pay a living wage. Mm -hmm. And if we help, look at the billions we've spent destroying Iraq. If we had built, spent those billions uh, helping uh, Mexico and other uh, Central American, Latin American countries improve their economy, there wouldn't be the desperation to cross the borders if they could make a living at home. So we have a, not only a responsibility to, to love those and embrace those who come, but also to work with the countries they're leaving to help improve the quality of life and ensure economic development in those countries so that they won't be so desperate to leave their home and their home where they live. There won't be the disparities that exist in our world today. Well, well, Reverend, I want to thank you so much. This is, again, Reverend Joe Lowry. He is the, the preeminent civil rights leader of the century. He's been here most of the last century as well. And he's going to be with us into the next century, I pray. And uh, I, 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 it would be selfish for me to keep you any longer because you've got a big day tomorrow and there's hundreds of people that are just waiting for you to speak tomorrow. Well, listen, I just want to thank you for your words today. Thank you for coming. Yes, sir. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you for giving an old man an opportunity to speak to young people and to say that, that the opportunities are so great. I mean, the, the, the rivers are, are, are calling us to, to tread the waters and swim the, 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 the currents, navigate the difficulties they may be because the reward of the kingdom of love and, and, and fellowship and joy together are worth it. Thank you. Well, with that, we're going to call it a day.
Psychology. 